0: Today in Agronomy on KFIL-AM 1060 with Pioneer Field Agronomist Allie Wise and Josh Schaffner. Here's Josh and Allie. Good morning, Southeast Minnesota. It's October 20th, 2021, and this is episode 83. Uh, well, I'm still flying here solo as Allie's away. Uh, again, I'm on tourney leave and um, kind of got a lot of ground to cover here this, this week and uh, kind of catch up on a few things. And, and number one, just kind of looking at... Um, you know, kind of harvest progress across the area things are progressing really well um it was really nice to see um kind of some of the gloomy weather and damp days turn around so we could jump out of um kind of jump out of the corn and get back into the soybeans uh still some soybean harvest going on but uh definitely um you know the, the weekend and the first part of the week allowed a lot of people to get to get beans wrapped up and uh as you wrap up beans get back to corn i anticipate the corn harvest pace so will really kick into gear as a, kind of a unique fall. We're way ahead, but it kind of feels like we're behind. Uh, just kind of looking at crop stage and, and obviously both crops kind of being ready to come out at the same time has put a little bit of bit of pressure on just our harvest base. But overall, uh, really hard to complain to, to be where we're sitting here with with this kind of weather uh, in mid-October and um, kind of see where we're coming on progress. So, you know, I'm going to start out here a little bit just to kind of take a look at the trends. I always like to share this information of you know, just how is the crop trending from a yield standpoint, uh, corn and soybeans. Uh, so as I set this up, we we talk a lot about our replicated uh, PKP plots we do here uh, with Pioneer, uh, just in the Southeast corner of Minnesota. Um, every year we, we plant in the ballpark of 65 to 70 corn locations and in the ballpark of 45 to 50 soybean locations. So just kind of looking at, you know, the soybean side of things to start with, uh, currently we have, uh 31 of those locations in the system here there's probably a few more we'll get added here uh, at the end of the week but uh currently if we just take all the varieties in this case we have um i believe we got eight varieties this year in there for excuse me 10 varieties excuse me in the in the plot set this year if i just take all the locations all the varieties average it up we're sitting at a 71.6 bushel average if we compare that we've done this plot set dating all the way back to 2014. Um, our high uh, set average uh, was recorded last year at 70.9. Uh, so currently this year we are trending uh, at a record pace. Um, and the one thing that's different about this year, maybe the other years, is we did go through a, a pretty big trade platform transition. Uh, and this year, all of this plot data is in List D3 soybeans. Um, excited with, with that lineup, a lot of new varieties there. And I'm um, I, I just extremely excited about the, how that portfolio has come together uh, and the performance from a yield standpoint in agronomics and weed control has been excellent. So certainly uh, be looking for that. Um, if you're looking for that information, just reach out to your local finder sales rep and they'll get you hooked up with that as well. Uh, kind of flipping gears, uh, just to corn on the trends. Um, currently at twenty locations in of the sixty five to seventy we'll have total. Um, currently, we're turning at a a, a a right dead even two hundred forty bushel average. If we kind of look at that, uh, if I compare that to last year, was our, our record uh, set in that was 241.8. Uh, so currently kind of knocking on the door there. Um, certainly looking like we'll maybe line up as maybe at least for sure, probably maybe the second best one through the run, through the years there. Um, but a long ways to go. We, we could see that number change a, a couple bushel either way. Uh, and definitely seeing some variability out there, especially as we get a few areas a little bit drier, um, you know, dragging us down a little bit. But with that said, we're also seeing some, some really nice, good, um you know, stability across the, the geography as well. So that's just kind of a review of the trends there, what we're seeing. Uh And again, uh, we are kind of pushing this data out to our sales reps uh, once or twice a week. If you're looking at your hands on this, uh, reach out to them or, or or don't be shy to let uh, myself or, or Emily or any of the, your local pioneer team know and know that you hooked up with that information uh, as well. So, so a lot of things going on um right now. Uh, You know, one thing I just want to kind of review, maybe just some of the the common phone calls that we've had here as harvest has progressed. Um, I know we talked a little bit about the soybean side of that last time around standability and a few things. Uh, Not a lot has changed from that standpoint as soybeans kind of come to a wrap here. Uh, The corn side of it, I think one of the most common questions I've had is, you know, just kind of what's all the black dust? You know, there's kind of a cloud around the combine. Uh, The machines are are kind of really turning black as we harvest uh, and making the machines dirty. Uh, a lot of you are probably struggling with some of that in your air filters and have to just really keep a close eye on that uh, as, as your harvest days go along as well. And, you know, there's been a lot of things thrown around. is like, okay, is this from the tar spot dust? You know, there's so much out there. Is this from anthracnose or what's causing it? And um, and really, you know, what is causing this uh, is kind of none of the above that I just mentioned. Uh, in most cases, this is all being, being caused by saprophytic fungi. And I know that's kind of a mouthful and you might not remember that word uh, after the show, but... You know, basically, you know, I I don't want to spend a lot of time and and confuse our listeners on this, but uh, basically, what's happening there is um, not an uncommon thing when we get growing seasons that are maybe a little bit drier, followed by some moisture late. Maybe we had some stress on the plant, but kind of along the the story short is we just basically got like a kind of a secondary black mold growth on the plant tissue. So this isn't necessarily being caused by a disease of the corn that's maybe hurting performance of the corn. It's actually just a fungus that's kind of growing on the plant material itself, kind of unrelated to a corn disease from that standpoint, yeah. And in some cases, if you, if you were out in your corn fields all summer, you know, kind of our lack of rainfall, the, the, the plants were just really dirty all year. We had a lot of pollen on the plants. You know, you, you, you pair that. We had some corn aphids out there, so we got some honeydew. But you kind of pair all that together. Um, we never really had enough rain that just rinsed all that off. In some cases, the light rains we had, it almost just kind of cemented that on those leaves. And now we're dealing with kind of a, a secondary fungus growth on that, as we've had some moisture, some dewy um, evenings, and then just our lack of cold temperatures or any kind of frost is kind of what's drawn that on. So as I come back up from break here, I'll just wrap up on that, and then we'll talk about a few other common questions from the field. Welcome back, listeners. Uh, first segment there, I talked quite a bit about just kind of the harvest trends, progress, and then uh, I was talking a little bit about um, kind of the back the black dust and and, and what's been making the combines really dirty. Um, And again, I mentioned, you know, it's saprophytic fungi that's causing this, Um, even though a lot of people think it might be all the black specks and tar spot or maybe some anthracnose dust off. uh, It it is just a secondary fungus called saprophytic fungi causing that. Um, So again, you know, just to kind of wrap up on that, um, in some cases too, you may see this black dust if you you look at an ear that's formed on the kernels. Um, So the first thing you start thinking about, well, is this an issue from a toxicity standpoint from if I'm using my grain for feed? Uh, In most cases, that's not going to pose any threat Um, from that standpoint. I I don't think it's something that we're going to have to to worry about from a grain quality standpoint. In most cases, the grain looks really clean. Uh, A lot of this just gets gets blown off as as you harvest and um, not going to be an issue from a standpoint of, uh, you know, hurting animals or making them sick from a feed standpoint. So uh so that's just kind of what's causing that um again probably that's my most common question here the last couple of weeks i just wanted to kind of clear that up um another thing um you know i have been getting a lot of questions around tar spot as well as we've done uh corn harvest if you look at the southeast corner of the state especially east of highway 52 you know you know there's not a corn field that you're not going to find tar spot in so with that said we talked a lot about this last year it kind of moved into southeast minnesota In most cases, last year, we maybe found a a speck or two on a leaf here and there, maybe an isolated field that had some more pressure. You know, this year that's expanded to where you'll find it in every field and at a much higher level of infection on the plants. Now, with that said, are we seeing some yield limitation of tar spot? Absolutely, we are. Um, Is it widespread yield limitation? I don't believe so uh, in this given year. Um, so when we when we think about tar spots, um, it is something we're going to want to be thinking about uh, as we move into, you know, 2022, um, a lot of chat around fungicide, you know, being uh, something that helps a lot, I, I would agree, it's definitely going to be a tool, but also looking at variety selection is going to be, you know, equally as important as, as considering fungicide applications, just depending on the infection timing. Uh, I know here at Pioneer, we'll have all of our kind of hybrids locally. Kind of ranked out from what we think are best you know to moderate um, for the most part we're, we see pretty good tolerance to it but there are some hybrids that really stand out um uh, kind of being you know maybe a step above all the rest so certainly we'll, we'll get that published out and be looking for that here in the next uh few weeks as we publish out some fall harvest results and our agronomy summary book uh so that's out there as well the other thing that's really popped up here in the last maybe 10 12 days we've been we've been harvesting corn is the amount of corn rootworm feeding we have on corn following soybeans. So in most cases here, we're maybe not using a CRW trait when we're corn on soybeans. Uh, We're using what we would call a double or non-rootworm or just an above ground uh, insect control, which is is very common in Southeast Minnesota. And basically what we're seeing is we're seeing quite a bit of extended diapause rootworm damage. So just to kind of back that up, what does extended diapause mean? Kind of put this in in, in simple, simple terms. So basically we have two species of corn rootworm locally. We have Northern corn rootworm and we have Western corn rootworm. Basically what I say extended diapause, what's happening is the Northern corn rootworm species, they've kind of adapted to our rotation. So what they're doing is um, they've realized that we like to do corn, bean, corn, bean. So in that situation, what's happening is when they lay their eggs after corn, when it goes to beans, those eggs are laying dormant for an extra full year and then hatching out. We're taking two years to hatch out in theory so then they're hatching out and we're back to corn with no rootworm protection and they're really causing some some pretty significant feeding and damage i think one thing that's been going on right now i think in some cases we're overlooking this a little bit uh in a lot of the cases where i've seen a lot of corn uh, extended diapause feeding on corn on soybean ground uh, we're maybe seeing some stock challenges in those as too but um i think in some cases we're, we're saying oh we got down corn from stocks but at the end of the day, when we really take a look at it, we have severe rootworm feeding that added stress might've been an entry point for some fusarium type things. And as a result, we're seeing, you know, some root lodging, but also paired with some pretty severe uh, stock lodging along the way. So if you are seeing some down corn, especially in corn on soybeans, you know reach out to myself or your local Pioneer rep, make sure we're taking a look at that to, just so we can make the right decisions moving forward of what our management or our control uh, tactics are going to be for next year. Corn rootworm are, are extremely adaptable pests. If we look at insects that we deal with in corn, they're they're probably of, of all insects we deal with the corn, they're the most adaptable from you know we've seen trait resistance. You know, we know we have traits out there that there's resistance to. We look at they're kind of overcoming our rotational trends right now. Um, you know, in some pockets of of, of the country, which we got to keep an eye on this, you know, the westerns are I've actually figured out, hey, you don't like to plant corn on corn. So I'm gonna fly out, lay my eggs in the beans. Uh, so that's always something we got to be looking at. And the challenge when you think about managing this is it's really hard to predict. Like I can't tell you, okay, this field will likely have diapause next year or this one won't. Obviously right now I'm doing some study, just looking at the trends and making sure like, are we only seeing this feeding in corn, bean, corn, bean, or are we seeing some in corn, corn, bean, just to do due diligence. So we'll have some reports back on that here. Uh, In the coming weeks, as I do a bunch of investigative work to kind of see where we're seeing this feeding and where we're not, uh, so that we can make good decisions on whether it be traits or insecticide usage. Uh, we're, we're, we're looking at some, some rotated acres that are going corn, bean, corn, bean. So a lot of things out there, uh, always things we be, be, be looking for. Um, you'll certainly reach out to us. If you're seeing these trends. we do a lot of work to make sure we stay ahead of us that we can, uh, you know, wrap up a successful 2021 and get ready for a successful 2022. With that, uh, is a wrap for this week and, uh, look forward to chatting with you all next week. You've been listening to Today in Agronomy on KFILAM AM 1060. If you've missed part of the show or want to hear more, check out the show page at kfilradio.com or with the 103.1 KFIL app. Stay connected with Allie and Josh on Twitter. It's at Allie G-Wise, W-I-S-E, and at Josh Schaffner to submit your questions for the show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next Today in Agronomy on KFIL AM 1060.